I was raised to believe in the goodness of humanity, but I have seen so much pain and suffering dealt by the hands of those in a place of power. The fight for money, glory, and selfish ambition, it's often left me feeling powerless. But I am not powerless. I inherently have something that has been taken from many. I have a voice. Simply because I am white, I am privileged. I am very aware of my privilege. Believe me, it irks me. I'm haunted by it. I have not had my land taken from me. I will most likely never be the target of a hate crime. At first glance, I will never be seen as a threat. I look like those in power who act only out of fear. I speak like those in power, but lack that fear. Therefore, it is my purpose to speak up for those who have not been allotted these genetic, socioeconomic, or religious privileges that our society deems acceptable. Forget the acceptable. I do not accept what has been handed to me. I choose not to live in the comfort of that privilege, but to question it, to shake it to its core, to be a constant reminder that this home of ours belongs to all of us and that there is an inherent inequality ingrained so deeply in our world that we often are ignorant of its reach. Cognitive dissonance be doomed. Power may allow the privilege to steal, slander, abuse, murder, and misuse, but it's up to us to stand against those actions. Speak up for injustice. Choose to be uncomfortable. It's up to us to tear down our privileged white picket fences. My purpose in life is not just to make things beautiful, but to call out the ugly in a beautiful way. Because I stand on a platform of privilege that I did not build, and I aim to burn it to the ground. Hey guys, welcome to Showing Up With The Salt. My name's Davon, and as you all know, Showing Up With The Salt is a podcast where we talk about our lives and our world around it. And for this week's episode, I have a special guest for the podcast. And our special guest this week is Miss Adrian Minotti. Woo! I like Adrian Jackson Minotti. Yes, please. Everybody sit down. I know you're excited. Thank you all. Yes, you loved it. Thank you all. Thank you. We've been waiting. We've been waiting for this. I know. So long. Oh, gosh. Okay, so I'm glad you're on the podcast. Thank you for joining. We it's talk- taken long enough for you to get me on here. <laughs> We've been talking about this for a minute. Well, we had COVID. <laughs> and then COVID happened. <laughs> and then we finally get to have you on. So, um... So yeah, so this week uh, we've been having conversations throughout the week yeah. and bounce around different, many different ideas. And guys, believe me, this won't be her last podcast because I have many great <laughs> conversations with Adrian. But I think on this one we want to talk about the subject of trauma. Yes. And whether it be our our personal trauma, but some some of it being talking about like how's trauma related today in our social, uh, our cultural, socially yeah. right now. So, maybe you can talk a little bit, give us a little intro on trauma. Sure. Okay. Wow. It's a deep topic. Mm -hmm. Jumping right in. Many different (laughs) avenues of it. Yeah. So, uh, most of us as people carry some form of trauma, and a traumatic experience doesn't have to be the same from one person to the next. Mm -hmm. Um, Different things affect different people in different ways. 
but as a whole, I think most people carry traumatic experiences with them and that kind of forms how you relate to the world around you. It forms your opinions of yourself mm-hmm. and other people in your life. And I've done a lot of healing from past trauma through different relationships and different situations that um, have really caused me to question myself, question my place in the world, question a lot of different things. And um, I've been to therapy. And Good for you. Therapy ain't bad. It's not easy when you pay out of pocket, um, (laughs) but I made it work. And after quarantine, I will continue to go in the same fashion that I did. Um, There are also a lot of avenues to continue with therapy during quarantine, too. Um, I was about to start, right before quarantine happened, I was about to start um, EMDR, which is a form of therapy that helps treat people who have PTSD or different um, traumatic events that they carry. So let's just say I have been certifiably diagnosed with trauma. (laughs) Well, you've gone through a lot of different things. I've gone through some things. Um, But we all have. Yeah. I think the reason I wanted to talk about this today and... I kind of didn't want to talk to Dee about it too much before we started recording because it's going to be a really good conversation, is that I think as much as I've figured this out with myself, when I, when I finally figured out what was going on, I didn't know what was going on. Actually, to backtrack a bit, um, I have experienced some unhealthy relationships. I have experienced some unhealthy experiences. And I did not know why I felt triggered a lot of times. And triggering for me wasn't meaning that I was being angry or violent. It meant more so that I would retreat. So I would retreat into my own headspace. I would become very depressed. Um, And then there were other symptoms as well. But then it started to just get a little bit more erratic and different things would trigger me and I didn't know what was going on. So my sister called me one day and she said, I was just in this meeting for work and I watched this video and I think you need to watch it. It made me think of you. So I watched it and the speaker was doing a TED talk and they were talking about emotional fatigue and PTSD and um, trauma and so all of that spoke to me and I thought oh my gosh this explains everything that I'm feeling so I immediately pretty much after that started reaching out to a couple of friends who I who had been going to see therapists that they kept referring me to and then I got their contact information I started seeing um, a therapist and within my first session we talked a lot about it and she basically was like Yes, I verify that (laughs) you have processed a lot and you need to do that in a safe environment. So um, 
that's kind of what led me there. But as someone who has dealt with personal trauma, I also see the world as a whole dealing with an immense amount of trauma right now and as a very empathetic person who feels other people's emotions and carries that in a very deep way um, I have seen the current events that are taking place as a grander version of a traumatic experience that's being witnessed in a way that it's never been witnessed before. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, well, specifically with Black Lives Matter, um, if you're familiar with the term gaslighting, do you know what gaslighting is? Not fully, but I know we had conversations about it. And then yeah. there, I know the actions and the things that, that you described that were happening through it, but mm-hmm. I, I didn't know I had a name. You should it. actually look up the definition of gaslighting. It might not be bad to read that off. Yeah, I'll read it off real quick. Um, Here go. I know that people... I've seen a lot of memes floating around, and they're very, very accurate, talking about racial gaslighting, so I thought this would speak a lot to that. Um, Yeah, so gaslighting is a form of psychological manipulation in which a person or a group covertly sows seeds of doubt in a targeted individual or a group, making them question their own memory, perception, or judgment, often invoking them in cognitive... um, dissonance and other changes in, including low self-esteem using denial misdirection contradiction and misinformation and gaslighting involves attempts of destabilizing the victim and uh, delegitimizing the victim's beliefs yes so that's so, a lot <laughs> um basically systemic racism to a t um yeah the Please emotional explain <laughs> systemic racism the, to the people. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and the reason why I say it like that, folks, is because there are people out there who, in general, but then there's people out there who I know don't believe it's real and don't think it's actually yeah. it actually happens. And I'm like, well, I guess because it doesn't happen to you or you, yeah. you it doesn't involve you. You don't think it's real, but I'm telling you, I know people, and I've been a part of the system where it definitely is real. Mm-hmm. So. Well, we should preface by saying this, because you haven't seen me. First of all, I am a white woman. (laughs) So, I have had a different experience in this than Dave Vaughn. But I have, from a very young age, been alert and aware and witnessed Mm -hmm. a lot of things. Yeah. And I was by no means sheltered. Um, And I've been very aware... I guess you could say I've been very aware of things from two angles because I was raised in a very diverse home Mm -hmm. where my parents had a very open door policy and all of my friends were of varying races and colors and creeds and even uh, religions. Um, So I've always had a very I guess welcoming, would you say? Yeah. Upbringing. Yeah. But also, I have witnessed other communities that I was a part of that were not that. Yeah, your fam, your family definitely. Uh, 
that I can speak to at your family. Definitely promoted diversifying their table and diversifying mm-hmm. their home and diversifying the circle diversifying the circle that was around them. Yes. So we'll just say I've spent time I've probably spent the same amount of time in gated communities <laughs> and the projects. <laughs> yes, yes. So I've seen things from two sides. And I can say that I was very aware of systemic racism because I saw the gap. I saw the gap between society in one community and society in another community. And I don't just mean society and the society that we create because I believe that there is a wealth of culture on both sides. What I'm saying is I saw the gap in education. I saw the gap. I saw the pay gap. I saw all of these different things that were leading to systemic racism, or I guess they weren't leading to it, that were a product of systemic racism. Yeah, yeah, definitely true. So systemic racism is basically, um, it's basically ingrained within your system. So it's, it's a trickle-down effect. It was not, it was orchestrated to be that way. It's not unintentional, it was intentional. And originally when it was created, um, you can do, I think maybe what we could do with this podcast is you could just link a lot of great resources for people to watch yeah. or find yeah. that give a better, like thorough, more thorough understanding of it. But basically what we're saying is it's a system failure because yes. it's a, it's created, it's a system that was created to fail black people yeah. and people of color. Yes. It was created to fail them. Fail them intentionally. <laughs> yeah. it, it created a platform for white people that was not created for people of color and who were black. Mm-hmm. And you were given as a white person mm-hmm. the best of the resources. And those resources were not offered to others. Yep. Or you were or we were restricted against. We're restricted uh, against yeah. or Yes. So, basically, that's the gist of it. And like, like, like she said, we'll link some information for you so yeah. we can dive into it because what it's that's a part of it, but it's not yeah. the whole thing about that's it. That's not the whole thing. Yes. So, if, to touch on that, like, what we're saying is systemic racism has been the perpetrator of a lot of the trauma. Yes that people of color and the black community carry. Yes. Um, so what were you, we were talking about gaslighting before yeah. this. So. so gaslighting, I think I wanted like to touch on one key element in gaslighting that a lot of people don't understand. Mm-hmm. Cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of what we see whenever people want to debate the Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. is is cognitive dissonance in action. So let's say you're a person that is completely unaware of racism. You're a white person, you don't feel that you are racist, and you don't feel like racist things are happening. Mm -hmm. Now here's the thing, you're a white person, period. So you usually won't know because you're not personally experiencing it. But One day you wake up and you hear all of this information and you are so overwhelmed by all of this information and you think, oh my God, this has been going on all along. I had no idea. So you have two options. Either you can turn a blind eye to that and try to 
form your own beliefs and opinions based upon your comfort level. Mm. Or you can educate yourself, and there are plenty of resources to do that, to better understand the situation as a whole. So cognitive dissonance is whenever someone's beliefs about the world around them do not align with what is currently happening in the world around them. What's what's actually currently happening. What is actually happening. Yeah. So cognitive dissonance is whenever people cannot believe what is actually happening because it will shatter their beliefs of what they believe the world to be. Yeah. And that's scary. I think that's a scary position to be in. Yeah. Because then for those who is affecting... And it will most likely as those that you interact with or those that you know and those that you love, yeah. you can't find a way to those kind of people who are like that. Mm-hmm. It seems like they have a hard time empathizing and, yeah. or try to understand because they are constantly on the side of saying that's not right. I mean, that's not real. Mm-hmm. I don't see that. And you're like, but yeah. it is happening. It's like they make, they make you out to be the, like the liar. Yeah. So that's gaslighting. Yes. <laughs> Cognitive dissonance and gaslighting go hand in hand because you can't really have one without the other. Mm -hmm. Either the perpetrator is cognitively dissonant and they they push those ideals that they have upon other people or the other way around. And um, you're being abused and you're being gaslit and then you become cognitively dissonant because you cannot... You can't form your own opinions for the world around you because it's not safe for mm-hmm. you to do so. So, I have experienced some of these things in my own personal life. Yeah, I was just, that was my next question I was going to ask was... Yeah. You, you've experienced some of these things in your own life, but I guess when was the moment you recognized all of it? Or did it happen at different moments in life? Or like, mm-hmm. you recognized at one point, like, hey, I need to seek help on this because my worry not my worry because i don't i don't worry but my concern is that there's people out there who like what about these people out here their whole life don't go who don't recognize it or don't get help or they just i get just just act now and you're like what's wrong with you well to be honest uh ignorance is bliss (laughs) so healing isn't comfortable I think that we I think that we have this grand idea of healing that it's like one big hug. It's like it's like just receiving the most comforting hug you've ever received and then everything is okay and that's not at all. What happens when you heal is that you shed so many layers of different experiences and pain and you have to confront whatever that was that traumatized you head on. Um, so so many people go the route of ignorance is bliss. And healing is beautiful and it leads to a much richer life and a richer experience and a richer world around you and you have deeper relationships with those who are in your life that hold space for you but it's also going to come at the cost of your comfort a lot of times so we aren't seeing right now something that is new this is something that is unprecedented, but what we're seeing is a lot of trauma come to the surface because trauma has always been here. 
Um, and then we see a lot of people pushing back with cognitive dissonance. And then we see a lot of racial gaslighting. A lot. Whenever someone diminishes your needs, your wants, whenever someone diminishes your experience, whenever someone diminishes how you feel or your emotions, that is gaslighting. Yeah. When someone says that those things are not valid, that is gaslighting. And that is toxic and that is abusive. And to speak to that record, I have seen a lot of that go on. So please stop. (laughs) I have seen a lot of that go on. And I know in, in past podcasts, I've told you all like it's sad but it's true it's not just random people i don't know or what i've seen in the meet in social media or just in the media in general it's like those i know and it's can i say like it's their fault or can i say like they didn't realize what they're doing like well they do because they're not bringing unity they're not bringing a sense of peace you cannot speak on a topic and be fully informed and seek to understand another side if you're coming from a place of pride okay good if you cut that's ignorance whenever you think that you have all of the answers and you think that you are in control of the situation what you have to do to be able to heal is come seeking to understand not just control Mm -hmm. that's good yeah seeking to understand is a good thing so when and and we can this can go for the whole board. So when you recognize you having some trauma, have some issues, you sought out therapy. I did. I sought out therapy. I have done a lot of different things. Um, I do yoga. What yoga has done is a lot of times when you have experienced trauma, you will carry it in your body, and people carry trauma in their body in different ways. For instance, you have a muscular and skeletal system, Mm -hmm. and um, your body is so incredibly smart, Mm -hmm. and it reacts to protect you, and what often happens when it reacts to protect you is you'll carry trauma, and so for me, like, I carry a lot of trauma in my shoulders Mm -hmm. because I'm hunched over. Like, when you think of when you're a little kid, you're about to get in trouble. Yeah. And you hunch your shoulders over, you pull them up towards your ears, you hug yourself in, and so I carry a lot of tension there, and so yoga has really helped me become aware of my body Mm -hmm. and feel safe in that moment, and so I do a lot of yin yoga, where it's you're holding longer poses, and it's all a little bit more meditative and slow, and you aren't seeing me hold crazy poses. It's just a lot of things that remind me to be aware of my posture because that helps me become aware of how I'm feeling in that moment. Mm -hmm. And then I also do meditation, and that's harder for me because I have a lot of thoughts all the time. So it's something... So it's hard for you to shut everything off? Shut that down. Okay. (laughs) Get quiet. So I need to do that, but... And people do that in different forms. Some people pray, some people meditate, some people pray and meditate, some... Mm -hmm. You know, well, I think I feel it. like prayer is a form of there's a, is, a yeah. form of meditation. Mm-hmm. So when I when I always talk about meditation, I'm mm-hmm. not just talking about like the the spirit like the the, the God based spiritual ways yeah. of just praying. There's some different yeah. ways I feel like there's a way to meditate. Yeah. Quiet yourself. Yes. And um, 
some people find that through their art. Some people find it through their like creative pursuits, and I do those things as well. So one thing that my parents taught me when I was younger, which was really neat, um, is that they taught me whenever I was having a lot of thoughts and feelings and emotions, <laughs> um, they said, go to a creative outlet. Oh, that's so cool. They would send me to my room, and I would paint or draw or bead or whatever I had in there at that moment um and that is something I carried on in through adulthood because those things are healing as well they're meditative and they make you come into the present moment but also you're able to think and process and feel for me um my creative outlet, but for, for the for, because before blah, 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 blah. for the longest time I couldn't speak right there. For the longest time, I had the hardest. I was so frustrated with stuff going on, and didn't know what I was just frustrated. Didn't know why I was frustrated, yeah. and it's because I did not have a creative outlet. And I'm yeah. I'm a natural creative person. I've always worked in that mm-hmm. lane, and at that point and at, at that moment in my life bef- before the salt, like I was like yeah. I don't. Because I was like, I guess I was living that, that really strict adulthood, like working, going home, sleep. Mm-hmm. Which is repeat. what so many people do. Yes. And so when I got the salt, it was when the salt came about and now showing up with the salt and now salt worship, it's become such a release because you're putting everything down that's inside of you, yeah. either in a video or a song or something like that. And like she said, like, I, in my way, I I'm a faith based person, so I, I I love to pray because I in the in the in the like the God kind of faith, mm-hmm. the spiritual faith, prayer and talking to God is a way to like release it and give it to God and say, yeah. hey, like I'm not putting this all on me. Mm-hmm. God, I need your help. Like, I, and He's like, yeah, that's what I'm here for. I'm here yeah. for you. So you like you know you take all that stuff away. Mm-hmm. And not that you don't say, like, oh, it's not there. I don't have work to do. But, like, it get, puts things, it brings me back. Instead of, like, everything being crazy, blah, 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 yeah. blah, Like, things are now, like, honing in to where I'm, like, like take the weights off. Because and, you're like, carrying that weight. And yes. you're carrying that trauma. And so, so many people have different ways that they do that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that there's just one way yes i don't i one creative outlet that we all are gonna have we don't all paint by numbers to <laughs> <laughs> to deal with systemic racism um no but you know what i almost did buy a paint by numbers because i was thinking i need to chill you know what out yeah well also i had a one of my friends uh you know morgan mm-hmm. morgan cook there was it was like some years ago um I was stressed out about something else. And this is another way of meditation. Meyer, um, this grocery named Meyer, I don't know if everybody has that, but they had this section, like, books, and they had, like, uh, the books, like, they titled, like, Anger, Sadness, uh, Depressed, or, like, All stress. of the demons from our total eclipse of the heart. <laughs> but these, <Skin>. <laughs> right? <laughs> but um, I got the book titled Stress, and what's in it is, like, different ways, yeah. like, it's like the the thing is it's not it's not really a book it's like more of like a well it is a book but it had all these different things you could like on this page do this and like mm-hmm. it had like a, like a picture of a, a, of a jar yeah mm-hmm. it was a workbook and it was like here's a jar put all your thoughts in this jar and close your eyes and da 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 and it had and then it has this other page it's like 
rip this page out. Uh, I remember this. Rip, rip, just rip this page out, put it in the ball, and throw it away. <laughs> That's how you do it. Or take yeah. this page, make it into write your what you're upset about on this page, make it into yeah. an airplane, and then fly it away. So that's what it, that was another great creative outlet. And another one of mine is, is singing. Singing has yeah. always been like the core of my life. I can attest to this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. D is singing his troubles away all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I love singing any kind of song. My main way of singing is through worship, but I love singing a lot of different songs. It just makes me... If I could sing like D, I would be singing all oh, the time. Oh, stop it. <laughs> I sound like Elsa, but I don't sound like Dave <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, that's some forms of um, meditation. And um, Did we name all? And then, I guess, I guess lastly, mm-hmm. for you, was like the, the therapist. Like, yeah. you're actually talking to someone. Talk professional. therapy. There are so many different forms of therapy. Um, for me, I just knew I wanted to go through like talk therapy or cognitive behavioral therapy, things where I, I didn't, so gosh, that I don't want to get into every form of therapy because I am not a therapist. I'm not a licensed therapist. I should start by saying that I don't know everything. This is just my personal experience. Right. Um, That's why it's, you know, our world and the world around yes, it, of course, showing up with salt. Exactly. So. so that's what I chose to do. Also, the therapist that I went to came highly recommended from friends of mine who have dealt with similar forms of trauma, mm-hmm. and these were friends that I trust and love, and they suggested this therapist to me Okay. based upon that. Yeah. I also felt that I wanted to go to someone who was a woman, not because I didn't want to go to a man, but I just felt that's who I was drawn to. Um and then it took me so long to go to therapy for many reasons, but one of them was that I had this idealized version of what therapy would be. Mm-hmm. So you think it's going to be like something you see on TV, mm-hmm. or you go in and you sit on the couch and your therapist becomes your best friend and you go to them for 20 years <laughs> and you see them every Thursday. And so I had really high standards of who my therapist would be. I was like, maybe it will be Fraser Crane. Maybe it will be... Oprah. Oprah, yeah. (laughs) I was like, I will only go to Oprah. So um, that was really hard for me to get over because I was like, what if it's not everything that I thought it would be? And the truth is, is anything ever everything that you think it will be? Yeah, you just didn't want to be disappointed. Yeah, I didn't want to be disappointed. Um, And when I went, I was not disappointed, but I also realized that no one is Fraser Crane. <laughs> um, wasn't so, what you thought it was at all. No. Uh, in a good way. In a good way. In a good yeah, way. much more real, much more down to earth, um, less intimidating. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So that was my experience, and I will continue to have more experiences in that. But I would say for me, I definitely support that. Um, when I went through something really traumatic, uh, I talked to a therapist. Mine was over the phone. Yeah. And it's it's good. Some companies, if you did not know, they offer free therapy. Um, I think there's the one called Talkspace that yeah. you can find. You can talk use that. I know some companies have some contracted we companies out. We can read out. those maybe yeah. too. Some good, some some good therapists. Resources. I think talk therapy is good to talk to someone professionally. Also, someone personally let you know. Um, I, always, I always support. And the good thing about a 
therapist, I think, is because the therapist does not know you, yeah. and it's unbiased. But I also support like talking to talking out something, uh, talking things out with a friend. Yeah. And when I say a friend that can be real with you about something, not someone who's gonna like they will cater to your feelings, but they also give you the truth and about someone that holds space for you. Yes. So someone that is willing to allow you to feel the emotions you're feeling without bringing any judgment to that, mm-hmm. but also may offer some sound advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I think lastly for me, um, if you are a person who's spiritual like me, of course, go to someone spiritually that you trust and talk to them, and they can give you more answers than you know. Just go to somebody who, like kids, we all don't have the answer. So, of yeah. course, we're seeking out someone who has more answers than us on things. And so, you know, I always, I like to go not only in the spiritual but the practical there's i mean there's things practically i need to do as well outside of the spiritual realm that i need to do for myself and and help being (laughs) so Mm -hmm. trauma with the trauma that's gone that people i don't like to say to just black people but people of color are experiencing um and if you don't know what that is that's just the racism the the injustice that we keep seeing against people who look like us all the time and not the proper help we should be getting or just things are just wrong that people if are getting wanna, with. If you want a like two and a half hour, one, two hour um, condensed version of it, watch the 13th. Mm. Good. It's a good. It's on Netflix. Yeah. It's called the 13th. I recommend anyone watching that if you want to have a better understanding. Um, and those of you right now who are saying, I'm not going to watch that. You need to watch it first. (laughs) (laughs) Like just be open to it. And just, we have to be open to the thinking of like, I don't know it all. And there might be something I don't see that I've turned the blind eye to. Because if you're feeling that you don't want to watch something or have a new, um, something presented to you that hasn't been your form of thought before, if you're not open to other things, then I will go ahead and say that you're probably either in cognitive dissonance yeah. or perpetuating cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's never going to be a form of healing for you or anyone else. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I mean, no one's going to change that but you. You got to do the work. You got to want to, you got to want to seek answers and seek a different opinion than your own. So, and I talked about that last week on a podcast because one guy, one guy, I think he's a comedian. He said, no one goes into looking into opinions saying, um, how can I think different about this or something? Mm-hmm. They sometimes go into like, this is what I believe and you're done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically, that's what he was saying. But for sure. So how do you how do you think um, through this trauma that's going through, through our culture and socially with Black Lives Matter and injustice, those who've experienced trauma, how do you think we can do the work to... Not only bring on change, but to help ourselves. Yeah. Because I mean, we I feel like we can't help others or bring thing bring a change unless we helped ourselves first. Yeah. And do I work. I think that's the first part of healing. Yeah. It's admitting that a lot of times healing starts when you admit that you need help, mm-hmm. or you admit that something is wrong and you don't have the answers. I think that it's stepping away from your pride. So on both sides, it's stepping away from your pride. Um, I will just say as a white person, I think the best thing that... And a white ally. And a white ally. (laughs) I will say, 
uh, Adrian has been one of the people I have seen time and time again be a great example of what an ally is uh, in supporting us, in um, supporting people of color, just talking about the things that make people uncomfortable. Because, I mean, it is an uncomfortable thing, but, you know, people, to be honest with this, is something I live every day. Like, I can't wake up and be a different color for one to yeah. be. I, and I love my skin that I'm in. But um, I think. She's using her platform and... Well, I wasn't given this platform. Right. I didn't choose it. Yeah. It was given to me at birth and I feel that there is a grave injustice Yeah. if I don't use that to amplify the voices and causes that do not have the same platform that I've been given. Especially because she rec- you, what we talked earlier, you, you grew up in a diversified environment all the time and so yeah. when you see people of color being hurt by something that is be like beyond our control in a way uh, because it's it's within our government and in our people's I don't like the this the, the way that the the system is set up mm-hmm. I mean you just took the, the, the stand and like yeah well I've been taking a stand since I was really young and it got me in a lot of trouble <laughs> it still does sometimes um, but I can say that I just can't turn a blind eye. I don't think that I've, I've never been cool with cognitive dissonance. Mm -hmm. It's just never been something that I've been like, I'm just going to chill out here in the same form of thought and not care about what is going on around me in the world. Um, I just can't be comfortable in that. But I would say that what we can do, if you're a white person, if you're an ally, I think the best thing you can do is hold space for others. And what it means to hold space for someone is that you listen. You just sit down, you sit yourself down, you sit down your thoughts, your opinions, what you think everyone should do because it's not your turn to speak. So you listen, you hold the floor for other people and you say, I am here, I see you, I hear you, I'm listening, I support you. And you let people who are dealing with this trauma, which is happening, across the globe Mm -hmm. you let them have that space where they're safe with you you don't ask anything of them you don't tell them how they should feel or what they should do you don't give uh you don't give advice or opinions because you're not educated on that and you have not experienced what everyone else is experiencing so you just hold space for others and be open to what other people tell you and then you ask, after you've done that, you ask what you can do. That's great. It makes me want to cry. I'm not going to cry. The reason why it makes me want to cry is because there are a lot of people who just don't sit to listen. No. They are just listen to understand. They listen to respond. And they listen with, like, they already have, they already had this thought in their mind on, like, how they're going to respond to you. Instead of just, like, listening like really listening yeah. to someone's life and story that's affecting them. So it may, feels good to know one person that I know who just gets it. <laughs> and just gets it that this is real and that this is trauma for a lot of people. This is triggering for a lot of people. Yeah. And this is our daily lives. Like I told um, Adrian today, um, and I... This podcast episode will come out soon, but today there's a, a rally in the city that I live in for 
and I'm using air quotes, you can't see it. I know that this is an audio medium, not a visual one, but Blue Lives Matter rally. Yeah. And I've said time and time again, no disrespect, I, and I'll say this as a, um, just for the forefront, you know, I respect officers, I love officers, I realize there are good cops out there who are really trying to serve and protect as they take up their badge. But um, there's, I don't think there's a real a, a such thing as Blue Lives Matter. I do believe cops do matter, but Blue Lives Matter. If you're talking about Blue Lives Matter versus Black Lives Matter, that's not real because you choose a badge. Yeah. you don't choose your skin color. You no, know, you can take the badge off. You can. That's a job. This is our life. Yeah. And so they had a, a Blue Lives Matter rally. It really is not a Blue Lives Black Matter rally. And I can say that because I, I know some people don't do their homework, but I actually watched it and listened to what the people were saying. So maybe you should do that first for each other. Yes, and it's in the and I I watched it a little bit of. I didn't watch all of it because it's really it's traumatic it's for me. Triggering for you. It's triggering. It really. I I told my sister and I told her, it grieves my spirit to know that these are people I live around, and I don't live in fear, but it is scary. One, A, for myself, two, for my nephews, yeah. and it's three for my whole family and friends who look like me to know, like, I live around these people. And also, and, people should know that what you were seeing was heavily armed people oh, yeah. at the rally. Heavily armed. Which as, is what's so triggering. Yeah, like assault rifles and grenades. And my head just went to, this is going to turn out bad. Yeah. Um, because in the past, and this is why it's triggering and trauma, in the past, people who have that on them already they don't think and they they shoot first and ask questions later or shoot first and so it's to just be honest i've heard that my whole life um and i do not mean this to be offensive to anyone that is a gun owner because have i gone to a shooting range yes have i shot in the woods yes did i, I grow up around guns yes uh-huh. so what i've heard my whole life though is if you own a gun you shoot first and ask questions later. Now, here's my problem with that. When prejudice is so ingrained in our culture, in our communities, and it is so ingrained in us from children, whenever you shoot first and ask questions later, you are a lot of times making a snap judgment out of a place that is based upon prejudice. Mm -hmm. Because that's not something that you have dealt with. Yeah. So I have a lot of issues with that, mm-hmm. but that's one of them. And I believe in I believe in de-escalating situations. I do too. I do believe that there are crazy people out there with guns. I yes. do believe that there are good people out there with guns. Mm-hmm. I believe that there are people who are trained and do want to serve and protect. But what concerns me is whenever you have the mentality of shoot first and ask questions later. Yeah. Yeah, because that's a that's that's something that is a general consensus as a whole mm-hmm. on both sides of the line. Yep, and it was just triggering for me because I and then the Black Lives Matter protesters came, and that's the difference between what I saw at this rally and what I've seen in past Black Lives Matter movements and protests. Like we always, if any, if anything's the most biggest thing as as you want to put it, like in a gun it's a bullhorn that's the only thing yeah. these people they already had this aggressive attitude mm-hmm. and then the people who are getting up and speaking like as i said time and time again like we just want we're black lives matter is against injustice police brutality and racism 
that's the only thing. But these people, this they they called people out their names during their speeches. They were using the Bible, misquoting the Bible. So bad. Scripture out of context. It has always bothered me. Uh-huh. In high school, I went to a Christian high school, and we had Bible class, and I got the nickname the Great Debater <laughs> because I had actually read the Bible many, 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 many times, and I knew the context of the scripture. And whenever the scripture would be misquoted out of context, I had a lot to say. One of those times for me personally was whenever our Bible teacher misquoted the scripture and was trying to make a point against interracial marriage. Mm. Now, let me tell you that this happened in the early 2000s. This wasn't the 1950s or the 60s. And this happened also in a predominantly white community. This happened in a predominantly white community and there were very few people of color or black people in our school and I, when, when I heard him say that, I was irate. I would be too. And I think I took over the class for three days <laughs> debating that. I feel that there is so much misuse of biblical text going on right now, period. Whenever you're taking biblical text to... Um like cater to your thinking like you think certain way regardless if it's good or bad and you're like well the bible says this that's this is what justifies what i believe that's no you're supposed to read the bible and change your justification of what you believe not take it to where like oh this caters to what i believe and it's it's the gospel truth it just it's just horrible it's not good it's not good no and it's also triggering to many people It's triggering because the black community has always has always upheld a great faith their own. Mm -hmm. So whenever you use the same scriptures that they follow and believe to to justify racist actions, it is very triggering as well. And and that's what they were kind of uh, trying to use it as evoke. Yeah. yeah they were trying to invoke that and they were using a scripture in Matthew that blessed are the peacemakers and they were they were basically saying like regardless of what the police the police was doing they were trying to maintain peace within the community regardless if someone got killed because of that police officers and it's just like are you serious right now well, we're not we're not calling into question every single police officer's no. intentions we're calling into question the system as a whole. Yes. Because the system is broken, and it has been broken since it was created because it was created to serve one community and not the other. Mm-hmm. It was created to serve white people and to, to demoralize and to def- defame and to um, create a system that did not serve black people at all. Yeah. So, yeah, watching that was was traumatic and I think trauma if 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 a certain situation takes you back to another story or a flashback or you see something like I think that's part of trauma and I'm like yeah. oh god please help me right now like to give, bring me peace because like, this is in my backyard mm-hmm. and these people are in my, my backyard so it's just really concerning um I hope it's not I hope they just move on but they they're just aggressive it's yeah. so aggressive 
And of course, the Black Lives Matter uh, protesters came speaking out against these people. And I just hope it's peaceful on both ends. Like we just need to come together and bridge a gap. And that's, you know, that's very hard to do because to come together and bridge a gap. Yeah. You cannot find peace and you cannot find healing without first recognizing the wrong that has been done. Yes. And addressing that. Yes. It's it's kind of um, it's it's human involvement 101. It's relationships 101. Mhm. Let's say you're in a fight with your significant other. Mhm. And there there's a good way to apologize and a bad way to apologize. <laughs> The good way to apologize is to say, I apologize for anything I may have done to offend you. It was never my intention to offend you, and I want you to know that I care about you, and I care about how you feel, and it hurts me that you feel that I did something to intentionally wrong you. Right. That's a good way to apologize. That's a good way to apologize. Bad way to apologize. I did not mean to make you mad. Okay, I'm really sorry that you're mad, but, like, I didn't mean to make you mad, so can you please just stop being mad at me? Oh, gosh. Yeah. That is a bad way to apologize. And that's where a lot of a lot of people on the side of... There's a huge difference between sympathy and empathy. Yes. And I'm going to link this to here, too. We're going to have a lot of links for you today, guys. <laughs> Welcome to Adrian's TED Talk, where everything is a link. Um, well, I mean, we again, from the beginning, we said we don't know everything. so And it, it goes more in depth, too. Like, because mm-hmm. we're, we're just on the surface. There's so much this can go into different this lanes. There's a lot to unpack. But yeah. when you just start talking about the general gist of trauma... Um, uh, there are a lot of things to understand, but I think one of the key things that you should understand is there's a huge difference between empathy and sympathy. Mm-hmm. So, sympathy says, you know what? This really sucks for you. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Sorry, this sucks for you, uh, but you know, I gotta go do my thing, so, mm-hmm. you know, sit in, sit in whatever you're feeling, but sucks for you, see you later. You know, that's, Sympathy. It's acknowledging that something is not right. Mm-hmm. It's acknowledging that someone is hurt or uncomfortable, but it's not doing anything. It's not It's not creating a spur of action. Mm-hmm. So you're not doing anything actionably to make the person feel better or to change the situation. Sympathy acknowledges the situation, but it doesn't do anything to change it. Empathy is different. Empathy is love in action. That's good. Empathy says you are upset right now and my heart hurts for you. And I'm not asking you to do anything or say anything, but what I want you to know is that because I love you, I'm going to sit with you in this. That's good. And I'm here for you. That's good. And I am willing personally to feel uncomfortable because this is an uncomfortable situation. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to hold space for your emotions. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be here for you even though it's uncomfortable. And if that means I just sit here in silence, I sit here in silence. But just so you know, you're not alone. Yeah. I heard uh, my sister, she had she sat down with some family members. And one of her family members said... Um, he he said, "We can let things bother us, 
and be angry about them and want to do something about it, but don't let it affect us. And I know what that situation that's happening in my city right now. I I'm grieved by it, but I'm not gonna let it. I'm not gonna let it affect me to where it takes me out. And I know, like I like, we still got some work to do. So yes. I've already come up with some plans to meet up with some city council members and our elected officials, and just talk to people in general and maybe some other activists because we. I'm on the side of working on some healing, and trauma's there, and we got work to do. Yeah. But. I, I'm not just gonna sit in this and be like, "Well, I'm just gonna let this depress me." He's never like, I just, we just gotta do some work. <laughs> yeah, there's there healing is work. Mm-hmm. Healing is work. Period. And that's and that's how we work on our trauma. It's yeah. doing work for the yeah. healing. You and not just sitting people in it. throw around the term "the work," uh-huh. and it's really annoying whenever you don't understand what that means because <laughs> you know therapists are always like, "Well." You know, you've been doing the work, the work, the work, the work. You've got to do the work. And it can be really triggering to hear that when you don't understand what it means. So basically, the work means being uncomfortable because it is very uncomfortable to heal. Mm -hmm. It's uncomfortable to think about the things that have created a trigger within you. Mm -hmm. So if you get angry about certain things and they make you more angry than anything else in the world, maybe think about the first time that you felt that angry and think about what happened then. And that's your trigger. That's what's triggering you. There are so many different triggers that we carry as people. And um, once you figure out what those are, you can start to work on healing yourself so you can acknowledge that and let's say I get really upset when I'm left out okay why do I feel upset when I'm left out well it probably stems back to an instance in my childhood where I felt that I was left out of a situation and so I address that in my own mind and I'm like that might be what that was so I am dealing with a deeper issue than just this situation here. Right. Mm-hmm. And then once you start to unpack all of that and you're willing to see that your current situation and circumstance is being, um, it's kind of driving the situation because of something that's happened to you in the past, then you're able to sometimes take a different course of action or take a step back or realize why you're doing what you're doing or feeling what you're feeling without making yourself feel ashamed of your own feelings. Right. Well, that was that's a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this has been a great conversation. We could honestly go longer. This has been one of the longer podcasts and I'm happy for it because this is a lot of good information we all need and we and people what we have to understand is that we have to start somewhere and be patient with yourself. Be patient with the situation and take the time. It's not going to happen overnight. Part of the work is the time we have to put into it. So just be patient with it and we're in this together. I'm with you. <laughs> Adrian's yeah. with you. And there are others out there who are with us. And like I said before, we don't know it all. And we don't proclaim to know it all. But like I said, keep the main thing the thing. And let's all work on together. Not all. And I said this before, too. Like, not everybody's going to be the same and having the same thought process and all that stuff. But that's why we need to diversify our table. When yeah. we come together 
and work on some solutions and work on our trauma, work on things that happened in our past, and let's look forward to working towards the future to make it better. So, yes. So, Adrian, in any of this, what are you working on now? I know we talked about uh, some new things you're getting to now, like sunny side vintage. Yeah, so I'm a stylist, and I have um, I I have a vintage store called Shop Sunnyside Vintage, mm-hmm. and my ultimate goal with this is actually not just to sell vintage goods, <laughs> which is awesome, and I've been doing that for a very long time. Mm-hmm. But my ultimate goal is to use it as a catalyst to have conversations about mental health. Mm, that's awesome. And we need that more than ever right now, even through life in general and even through our social climate right yeah. now. Mental health is a big thing. that yes. we're all, and, that's, and it has to do with trauma. If you did yes. not know, it does. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I've been edified i've been encouraged and i've learned some stuff and that's why i like having people like agent on the podcast because i don't proclaim or profess to know it all i know you heard me talk for the last couple of weeks about black lives matter and things we're going through but this is somebody else who knows a little bit more than i do and i, I wouldn't say that i just i i <laughs> i watch ted talks too <laughs> And I'm happy to have you on the show again. We have a lot more conversations to have and a lot more things to unpack. But thank you for being on the episode tonight. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to have you. So, guys, this has been Davon and Adrian with Showing Up to the Salt. Again, it's a podcast where we talk about our lives and our world around it. Thank you for listening. And, guys, like I always say, like, share, comment, and have a discussion with your friends about this. It won't do no good if we don't have conversations and good conversations. And it's a great subject to talk about and express and get towards with family and friends and get it all out and about and work together. And if I, can, I, can yes. I end this by saying, if you are a white person and you are an ally, listen and learn. That's good. That's it. That's awesome. Thank you all. You guys have a great day. And bye-bye. Hey, guys. Hope you all enjoyed this week's episode of Showing Out with the Salt. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. And tune in next week for an all-new episode.